I think it's safe to say having a podcast, it's a lot harder than people think. Welcome to the Landscape Cafe, brought to you with support from Fort Myers Garden Service, maintaining and protecting business and residential landscapes. Visit fortmyersgardenservice.com or call 239-990-7494. So Mind Shower Glass Door, they are your team, your trucks. They go to the job, install the different glasses. Is that right? Yeah, so my Shower Door's kind of elevator pitch, if you will, is they have 10 brick and mortar locations. Generally, it's either gonna be new construction, it's a retrofit, meaning they, like your house, let's say you say, oh, my wife fucking hates that frame door. Right. They're, they're like, there's mold, there's hair, they're just, we want it out of there. Mm-hmm. We will come measure, or you come into the showroom, pick out what you want, we'll come measure, mm-hmm. we'll come back, we'll do the manufacturing at our plant, and then the trucks will head out and remove your old and put in the new, or if it's new construction, just put in the new and hopefully get a five-star Google review when they leave. And and then that's it. We also do residential, uh, commercial, like hotels, high rises. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, But mostly residential. Okay, that's kind of your niche is more so residential. For my shower door, yes. Okay. Um, If you were to split up all their business across all the stores, I would say it's it's close to a probably 60-40 split, 65-35 residential versus new construction. Okay. Okay. So that yeah. retrofit market. For sure. <clears throat> um, and so my architectural glass is probably more of a 50-50 split. We do a lot of commercial work like glass railings in our office partitions, office divider. With this glass office door I have. See this office store I have going into my office. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Yeah, a lot of we do a lot of those conference room doors. Um, a lot of these commercial okay, spaces so. are, are remodeling and opening up the space. They they know that there's a um, a neuro, uh, you know mental health benefit. Yeah, right. By not being um, in this cubicle, if you will, of four sheetrock walls. Mm-hmm. Put a little plants in there. They're studied on that too. Is have it open, have some greenery in there, and. Uh, get some good oxygen going in there. So wait, so you're saying my shower door does everything showers, but mag does like offices and stuff like that. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And now who do you have a third company that produces the glass yeah. as well? Yeah. So the third what is that that? company, that company uh, started, this is a interesting story in 2000. See, so we started my shower in 2003, kicking ass. 2004, yeah. 2005, really kicking ass. Like, wow, this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. 2006, 2007, started opening some other stores. And then, boom, the the, the economy in 2008 took a dump. Mm-hmm. Which, again, was another blessing in disguise, much like the cancer. Mm-hmm. That put a lot of our competition that, respectfully, I think shouldn't have been there. They were selling on price. They got into the market selling on price, and it kind of ruined the shower door industry for a lot of us. It'd be like a new landscaping company coming out and say, "Hey, we're going to do ten dollars a month to cut your lawn." Exactly. You know, now you got. It's not that you can overcome that. It's just it's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Well, that recession came and wiped out those people because they didn't have the financing to withstand that downturn because they were selling on price. 
Right, right. And so in that time frame, we, my brother and I, because we're extremely conservative uh, financially, mm -hmm. we we gobbled up some property knowing that we wanted to get into manufacturing. So in 2009, I believe we, we, mm -hmm. we got some property pennies on the dollar. Yes. And two years later, as we were saving up, educating ourselves, we knew we wanted to go vertical and start doing all of our own manufacturing because we were buying about a million and a half dollars worth of tempered glass per year. And wow. we we knew based on that dollar amount that we were buying, and we we're only going to be buying more going into the future, that whoever's making that, the profit that was made on that amount of glass that we're ordering would be enough to sustain the payments of all of our own manufacturing equipment. Now, right. that's a lot harder than said because you have, the, we've never been in manufacturing. And then you got the the culture and employee standpoint and the maintenance and the cash flow cycles like it's a whole different animal but we said we're going to do it we need to do this if we really want to provide the best customer service and and kind of direct our own ship and not be relying on anybody we have to do our own manufacturing that is absolutely for you on real quick i want to say that is absolutely fearless because that is a totally different business model totally everything oh, from what you're doing right. And that is a massive risk to take on as already a successful company. But that's insane. I love to I love to hear that fear. Oh, you wait. Absolutely it's so, after it. so we went to our banker. So at this time, it's 2000. It's 2011. We've been in business eight years. Mm -hmm. Year over year over year have gone up. The only year we didn't go up was 2009, right after the recession hit. Mm -hmm. But we didn't go backwards. We just kind of stayed the same. We didn't lay off anybody. No layoffs. That's incredible. Uh, we went to our banker and said, we want to start our own manufacturing. And I remember like, this guy is no longer our banker and you'll know why. But he says, listen, there's nobody manufacturing in Southwest Florida, number one, because mm -hmm. there just isn't. It's, it's a, it, everything would have to leave Florida. Whereas if you're in the middle of the country, you can manufacture, you can kind of go all over the place. Most of the stuff is brought in here because the tourists, and it's just, it's not a hotbed for manufacturing in, especially in Southwest Florida. Mm -hmm. It has become up late, but it wasn't back then. Right. So we went to it and he says, listen, nobody's manufacturing here. Number one, two, we're still coming out of recession. And this, is just, this is idiotic. No, this bank will have no part of that. Oh, okay. So, you know, that kind of set us back a little bit. We're thinking, 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 we're like, no, no, we're going to fucking do this. We're doing mm -hmm. We found somebody that was willing to roll with us and we got into manufacturing in about a year into it, maybe nine months into it, my brother and I, at this time we have four retail locations and now we got the manufacturing plant. We almost crashed a whole deck of cards wow. because of the turnover that was going on in the factory, the lack of maintenance. And then even more than that was our kind of, um, lack of business acumen on the cash flow cycles versus in the retail space where we're at, you know, you get 50 up front, 50 on completion. It's real clean transaction, always got cash on hand. Mm -hmm. Whereas in manufacturing, you're outlaying tons of cash to bring in inventory, pay people, pay for your machinery, pay for the building, water, electricity, like there's all these costs. Right. And and you're not profiting as much on the manufacturing as you do dealing directly with the consumer. Mm -hmm. 
And so we almost ruined the whole thing. We were probably about three months away from crashing everything. Right. Uh, then we made one and then two good hires that got my brother and I out of the factory, which changed the culture problem, the the kind yeah. of turnover. Because in, in manufacturing, like let's let's for instance, let's take it to your business. Mm-hmm. You hire two new guys, you send them out to your best clients on Mondays. Let's say they're going out to Port Royal and they're doing mm-hmm. 10 houses and these are all whales. And, yeah. and he's weed whacking and he just he's on his phone and their sunflowers are big and he just knocks them down all of a sudden <laughs> coming down and and calls homework calls you just chewing your ass apart. <laughs> and and you lose that client and you fire or have a stern talk and like mm-hmm. see how this now new guy goes and he wasn't trained properly he does the same thing and it just it's mm-hmm. kind of a brain bear spiral right um because you don't have people that have pride they haven't been there long enough to really know the culture and the yeah. mission mm-hmm. and so we were just we were chasing our tail and just bleeding cash and after those two hires literally almost overnight everything changed wow two hires and now we have um 10 stores the manufacturing facility is in its second building from that first one we bought after the recession that was a 10,000 square foot building now it's 70,000 70,000 yeah and we're putting on a 15,000 square foot uh addition right now we're running two full shifts what so the the manufacturing arm again even though it's not the most profitable portion of the company mm-hmm. it allows us to be who we are with our like if you called me and say hey i have um i have my in-laws coming in this weekend i just remodeled the bathroom and my mother-in-law's a bitch and she's just <laughs> bougie and it needs to be perfect right and everyone's telling me it's three or four weeks i need to hear tomorrow and i'll pay you anything right you'd be surprised how many times we get that phone call the manufacturing allows us to take that opportunity. We can if we want. And now it's going to be expensive because you know you got to move everything in the front. You got to move things around. But it's possible. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's good is um, builders. The builders right now, their biggest hangup is they can't find subcontractors are going to show up consistently and mm-hmm. provide the quality that they're looking to keep. It. You know, they've had for the last ten years. They want to keep doing it forward. Right. So what they're worried about is quality and time. The thing that our companies, both of them, my architectural and my shower bring is to a new client is you don't have to worry about problems. And what I mean is we're going to make mistakes. I'm going to measure wrong every now and then. We're going to mm-hmm. cut a piece of glass wrong. But the good thing is I can usually have it fixed before anyone even realizes that there's a problem because we have our own factory. Mm-hmm. Whereas my competitors are ordering glass if they don't buy from us, which a lot of them do, but if they didn't buy from us, they're two and a half to three weeks before you place your order, you get it two and a half, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, if I go to your house and I'm like, oh shit, I, you know, I inched it and the door's an inch too big. It's not going to fit. And it's tempered right. glass. You can't cut it. It's trash. Mm-hmm. Got an order door. That's another two and a half weeks, wow. which means you're not getting your money for two and a half weeks. You're definitely not getting a Google review. And most importantly, the customer's pissed off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now this builder's like, you're not doing any more of my work. Like showers a lot. And unfortunately for in our industry or our niche, if you will, we're usually the last people in the house. Okay. Showers want the last things to go in. Wine sellers want the last things to go in. 
And by this time, usually the builder is exhausted. Yes. The homeowner is exhausted. Very few times does a homeowner go through the entire construction process and it's just like peaches and cream, everything's perfect. It just, mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way. And so we need to be aware with that. That's why we deploy empathy in a tactical version uh, because we know that they're not yelling or being curt or stern at us. You know, it's just, it's been a long process and they're making the assumption, well, if everybody else has been an asshole all the way along, you must be too. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of go in there and, you know, do our thing and put our process on them and, and try and make it the best experience possible. And even though they might've been shit on for the last eight months and felt like nobody's listening to them, and this has been a nightmare, if the last impression can leave a last impression, we do a good job, that might save the whole thing for the builder. Yes. And consequently, that builder's never going to question any of our proposals ever again. They're not going to get other bids. They're only going to use us and they're going to promote us. And that's really what, what's happened over the years. That's why we've been able to scale so fast. We've that's got phenomenal culture and, you know, we'll always, we'll always do the right thing by the customer. And that's something I want to touch on. Um, your shirt says tactical empathy. So that means that, what does that mean? Okay. So empathy, um, I think empathy a lot of times gets confused with sympathy. Okay. Um, empathy as I know it is me being able to articulate to you how you see the world through mm -hmm. your eyes, mm -hmm. not, not my eyes, meaning uh, Bailey, I, uh, I think it's safe to say having a podcast, it's a lot harder than people think, you know, mm -hmm. the commitment, the time, the questions, seeking out the right people. Mm -hmm. I'm sure people say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast in the back of your head. You're probably like, yeah, good luck. You can right. barely do your own job, right? Let alone take on this second task because this, this isn't easy. Mm -hmm. That would be a form of empathy. I'm, I, you know, you don't, I don't know anything about podcasts, mm -hmm. but I know enough to know what goes into it. And those are probably some of the struggles that you see or hear or deal with. And mm -hmm. so now when I um, explain it that way, you're kind of like, wow, you know, here's somebody that understands it. It kind of hits home real quick. And mm -hmm. now that's how I get in the side door. We can start having dialogue. Yeah. That's and awesome. so using empathy in a tactical manner mm -hmm. uh, builds good rapport, which equals trust. And that's the quickest way to do a transaction, but not only for now, forever. Mm -hmm. Because if I do good by you and your family, why would you take a chance at using somebody else with an inferior? What, like, why would you take that risk? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're trying to preserve, if you're a true entrepreneur, you're trying to preserve time. Yeah. And we're all trying to buy time. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we like to deploy empathy. And I really learned this um, from a gentleman, actually his son, but it's just more sexy to talk about the father. He <laughs> was the world's number one FBI and hostage kidnapping negotiator in the world. Uh, so okay. much so that he rewrote the book at, at Quantico and Scotland Yard on the neuroscience 
an application of empathy in a tactical manner to get hostages and kidnappers to release their prisoners or whatever. And he kind of, when he retired, he brought that to the business world. And you'd be surprised that the thought process that goes through a terrorist is really no different than a high level business person shark, if you will. Yeah. Um, and if you can use empathy, you know, empathy means I can, I don't have to agree or even fucking like you, Bailey, to have mm -hmm. empathy for you. You can have an empathy with a terrorist. Right. Yeah. You, know, you can have empathy with your worst enemy. But when you do, it it connects you um, on a high level to open up dialogue. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not having dialogue, what are you doing? If we're not talking, then we're not going to be selling anything. We're not exactly. going to be producing anything together. Exactly. Uh, so I, I learned it from him. His name's Chris Voss. His son's name is Brandon Voss. And so I studied it. Like I told you earlier with the, the social media, mm -hmm. I got into it. Like, I feel like I got my 10,000 hours in really quick. You know, if really? Can, yeah. If you can get your 10,000 hours, they say you can get pretty close to perfecting something. Mm -hmm. Anything, yep. As long as you mm -hmm. put your hours in. You know, I read, I think, I don't know where I read it recently, but nobody, even Tiger Woods, somebody like Tiger Woods, they say, well, he's just naturally good. Respectfully, I don't believe that. He just got his reps in. Like, you remember they showed videos of him two, three years old on, like, he was just getting his reps and getting his 10,000 hours in a lot faster than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, um, Yeah, I think that applies to anything, you know, whether it be sales, cutting grass, planting trees. You know, if you do enough of it, you kind of just start figuring quicker and better ways to improve your process. And before you know it, you know, you're a master at it. Yeah, especially if you give, allow yourself to have time to like work on it and not just in it. That's something that I've learned over the past couple of years of um, getting to the business, getting our businesses where they are now. I can't do that and I can't continue to improve them and do everything we're doing if I'm not working on them and working rather than just working in it as well. Thank you for listening in. Stay tuned for the next part in this conversation. The Landscape Cafe is a production of Pure Landscaping and the Niche Podcast Network. Learn more about Bailey, Katie, and the team by visiting purelandscaping.com. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, the best place to rate or follow the show is at thelandscapecafe.com.